Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fantasize Me, the podcast where I take characters real or imagined, and I fantasize them as D&D characters. I'm your host, Zach Katz, and this week we will be doing Master Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. Now, it's been a while since I've seen Kung Fu Panda, so I just did a quick internet search. I found some information about Ugwe on Wikipedia, and then some stuff on the Kung Fu Panda wiki, and it turns out the Kung Fu Panda lore is a lot richer than I expected it to be, and I'm not familiar with a lot of the stuff, because I guess there's like a TV show, and there are comics, and there's like short films or stuff like that. So there's a lot of information about Master Ugwe, but I'm mostly going to go by what I know about him from the movies, because I think that will be a lot easier for me, and I like things that are easy. So without further ado, who is Master Ugwe? Well, he is a Galapagos tortoise who also created Kung Fu. So that's pretty cool. He's a he's a tortoise and he made kung fu. He founded the Valley of Peace and he kind of developed the Dragon Warrior legend and Poe the panda is the one who he chooses for the Dragon Warrior, but Master Ugwe was considered by many to be a sage. He was respected by pretty much everyone and was known as the greatest kung fu master in history. No other kung fu masters had a bigger reputation than Master Ugwe. He was the top, he was the pinnacle, he was the peak. He was a he was a fourth word that means the same thing as that. But anyway, so in the first movie, he's all like I'm wise, I'm kind, I fight for good, but I'm old and tired and he did that whole thing that's like the past is a, uh, what is it? Oh, the past is history, the future's a mystery, but the present is the present, and that's why we call the gift. I should probably look up the actual quote, but I think you know what one I'm talking about. I think you get it. Present's the present. The present is a, is a gift. That's why we, okay, yes. Uh, the past is history, Tomorrow, no, yesterday is a, yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, the present is a gift, that's why we call it a present, or do you say now is a gift, that's why we call it a present? I've spent too long on this. Anyway, he then ascends to the spirit realm, because he's like, I found the dragon warrior, I've done so much amazing shit, I'm like a thousand years old, so I'm going to ascend. And he kind of like left his mortal form behind, and ascended to the spirit realm. And in the third Kung Fu Panda movie, which I think I've only seen once, he's in the spirit realm and he has a friend, an old friend named Kai. And Kai was one of his closest friend, a brother in arms with him, fought side by side with Master Ugwe, who led a mighty army, and Ugwe was once badly wounded, so Kai carried Master Ugwe for days until they came upon a secret village full of pandas who used chi to heal Ugwe. And Ugwe is like, cool, I want to learn how to use this for good, and Kai is like, I want to learn how to use it to get stronger. So he discovered he could take chi away from others, and Ugwe's like, oh shit, I have to stop my best 
best friend. Let's let's freaking do this. So they engaged in a fierce battle that shook the earth, but Ugwe triumphed and banished Kai to the spirit realm. As I previously mentioned, that is where Ugwe would eventually ascend to. So the two of them are in the spirit realm and Kai finds Master Ugwe in the spirit realm and takes his chi. I'm pretty sure it was what happens, and is able to escape the spirit realm or something like that. The point is, for that long-winded story, is Master Ugwe is essentially magic too. So kung fu, but also has this energy that he can wield at his disposal. So I think that's enough backstory, so let's get into it. So first we are going to pick Master Ugwe's background. Who was he before he was? You know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. I feel like a lot of these backgrounds could be fitting because he he was alive for like a thousand years. He's done a lot. I feel like soldier could fit, far traveler, folk hero, knight, outlander, sage. Like, I guess, I guess I'll go with sage because that makes sense because he is a sage or he's, he's venerated as a sage. Although that's not really his background though. He became a sage. Okay, so scrap that. I do think it fits the kind of modern Ugwe, but the past Ugwe, I'm going to go with Folk Hero. Because at some point, he had to just be like a dude who performed heroics, right? So Folk Hero, perfect. He's going to gain skill proficiencies in animal handling and survival. Tool proficiencies in one type of artisan's tools and land vehicles. <laughs> It's so funny, a tortoise with land vehicle proficiencies. 10 Fast, 10 Furious, coming soon to theaters near you, starring Master Ugwe. For artisans' tools, what would be helpful for Master Ugwe? And what do you think, or what do we think would be the most fitting? How about painter supplies? I feel like Master Ugwe is very, like, patient and enjoys the natural beauty of the world. So I think taking up painting is pretty fitting for him. I think that makes sense. So boom, proficiency in painter supplies as well. Now let's pick his race. This one's gonna be pretty easy. I feel like the last few I've struggled a little bit, but there is essentially a tortoise race called a tortle. Uh, and if you'll remember way back when for my Squidward episode, I really quickly homebrewed a squid race called Squiddle. So this, that's Squiddle and this is Tortle. So let's see what he gets from that. There are a few different kinds of Tortle to choose from. There's like the original Tortle, but then there's also Razorback. There's Soft Shell. There's Desert. But I think I think true turtle is probably the most fitting. So as a turtle, he's gonna gain plus two to strength, plus one to wisdom. He has the claws ability, so his claws are natural weapons. So normally unarmed strikes, it's just one plus your strength modifier, but now he can do one D4 plus his strength modifier. So gets a little more strength behind those hits, which makes a lot of sense because he is a martial arts master. He has the hold breath ability, so he can hold his breath for up to one hour at a time. Tortles aren't natural swimmers, but they can remain underwater for a long time before needing to come up for air. He also has natural armor. He has a shell. He has a whole ass shell. It is a part of him. So he has a base armor class of 17. 
and his dexterity modifier isn't going to affect this number. Usually when you have a base armor class, like from armor, or even if you're not wearing armor, it's something plus your dexterity modifier. This is just 17. So he's going to gain no benefits from wearing armor, but if he is using a shield, he can apply the shield's bonus as normal. He's going to have the ability Shell Defense. So he can withdraw into his shell as an action, and until he emerges, he's going to gain a plus four bonus to his armor class. He's going to have advantage on strength and constitution saving throws. The downside is while in his shell, he's prone. His speed is zero and can't increase, and he's going to have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws, and he can't take reactions, and the only action he can take is a bonus action to emerge from his shell. So that would only really be useful if, like, an enemy is going right after him and he's low hit points. He has to wait for the healer's turn to come back around. He can just go into his shell, increase his armor class to 21, and potentially avoid the hit so that the healer can come and heal him. And then on his next turn, he can emerge as a bonus action and then mess his attacker up. That's, that's just an example. I'm sure you could use it for other things. With survival instincts, he's going to gain proficiency in the survival skill. So that doesn't really help us because he already has proficiency in survival from being a folk hero. But that's fine. Uh, oh, I hate that. Oh, well. Languages, he can speak, read, and write Aquan and Common. And Aquan is just the language of sea dwellers, essentially. So there you go. Awesome. We already have background folk hero, race, turtle, and now we can roll for stats. So that's when you take a d6, a six-sided die, roll it four times, drop the lowest number, and add up the remaining three in order to get one of his six ability scores. So we're going to do that six times. So last week I did a Bria Iyengar and she rolled pretty poorly and I was like, oh, she rolled so terribly. Like, what am I going to do? She rolled incredibly compared to Master Ugwe. Master Ugwe got 8, 10, 13, 12, 10, and 9. That's awful. That's truly terrible. So for a comparison, just the average person, their stat is going to be a 10 in anything. That is average. That is base level, what a normal person can do. He has two numbers slightly above that and two numbers slightly below that. So he averages out to pretty average, which sucks because we know Master Ugwe is not pretty average. But that's fine. We'll just, we'll just keep going, right? <laughs> Because what else can you do? I could lie. I could lie and say he rolled better, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So his highest is 13. Wow, that's so low. Let's put that into wisdom. So as a turtle, he gets a plus one to wisdom. So that bumps that 13 to a 14, which is now a plus two modifier. Okay, next. So as a turtle, he gets a plus two to strength. So let's pop the 12 into strength. That becomes a 14, just like wisdom, which is a plus two modifier. Next, there are two tens. Let's do 10 constitution, which sucks because constitution helps to determine hit points and not having any bonus there is going to mean he's going to be a little fragile. That's a plus zero to constitution. That sucks. Next is also a 10. If I do it in intelligence or charisma, that means he'll have a negative to dexterity, which really sucks. No, okay. All right. I'll give him a 10 in dexterity, which is a plus zero. An eight into intelligence, which is a minus one. 
and a nine into charisma, which is also a minus one. Oh, okay. Wow, that's hard to look at. So his starting stats are 14 strength, 10 dexterity, 10 constitution, 8 intelligence, 14 wisdom, and 9 charisma. Abysmal. That's really bad. Sometimes I like to add up their positive modifiers and negative modifiers to see what their net total is. His net total, because he has 2 plus 2s and 2 minus 1s, his is a plus 2. That's it. Plus 2. I've had characters roll who start with like plus 12 for first level. He's got plus two. It's hard to look at, but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Now we can pick a class for him. So let's let's just do that. I'm thinking, so I'm definitely going to give him levels in Monk, obviously, but he wasn't always, you know, this master Ugwe. He was a soldier first, essentially. So I think I'm going to go with fighter. So first level as a fighter, He's going to have proficiencies in light armor, medium armor, heavy armor, and shields. Those armor proficiencies aren't going to help him much because as a turtle, he doesn't gain any benefits from wearing armor, but he can use that shield. So if he's using that shield, his armor class is going to be 19 to start, which is excellent. He's also going to have proficiency in simple weapons and martial weapons and in strength and constitution saving throws. Proficiency bonus at first level is plus two. So he's going to have a plus four to strength saving throws and a plus two to constitution saving throws. So not great there, but that's fine. It, he's only going to get stronger. You know, he's only going to get better. He's also going to gain proficiency in two of these following skills, acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and survival. Well, he already has proficiency in animal handling and survival, so I think perception will be helpful, so let's bump that up. I'm thinking acrobatics or athletics, although maybe insight, because I think... Although he doesn't seem to be a good judge of character. Oh, is he? I don't know. I don't know. He was best friends with someone who betrayed him and tried to, I don't know, kill everyone. Then there was also, like, Tai Lung... The, the villain in the first movie. Although I think Master Ugwe warned Master Shifu like against training him. Okay, yeah, all right, let's do insight. I talked myself into it. So boom, now he has a plus four to insight and plus four to perception. So as a first level fighter, he's going to gain a fighting style. His particular style of fighting, that is his specialty. A lot of them rely on like weapons or armor. And I don't think those are super fitting for him. So I'm going to go with just blind fighting. This is going to give him blind sight with a range of 10 feet. So within this range, he can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even if he's blinded or in darkness. Moreover, he can see an invisible creature within that range unless the creature successfully hides from him. I think that kind of fits his whole mystic vibes of just being able to see invisible creatures. I think that's very cool for him. Also at first level, he gains the second wind ability. So on his turn, he can just use a bonus action to heal himself. And he's going to heal 1d10 hit points plus his fighter level. So right now he can regain up to 11 hit points which is awesome because he's starting with 10, so that's wonderful. Once he uses second win, he has to finish a short or long rest before he can use it again. I think we're going to go second level fighter where he gains action surge. So on his turn, he can action surge and just take an additional action. Once he action surges, he has to finish a short or long rest before he can use it again. 
What I like is a lot of the fighter abilities let you use the ability again after a short or long rest. A lot of other classes, it's just a long rest, which is a full eight hours of sleeping or, you know, something like that. Well, a short rest is just, you know, one hour of chilling, just downtime, you know? You can read a book, you can sit under your peach tree and contemplate existence, it's fine. Third level in fighter, he's going to gain his martial archetype. So that is the fighter subclass. And I was looking at the fighter subclasses and I'm not sure if this one is exactly fitting. I mean, I've given people some things and then kind of justified how it was fitting, kind of stretching things a bit. I mean, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, my second episode, I made her a chronomancy wizard because she was always trying to get people with the times. So I think for Master Ugwe, I'm going to give him the Rune Knight subclass. So he's going to gain bonus proficiencies. So he now has proficiency with Smith's tools and he can now speak, read, and write giant. Awesome. Okay. New tool proficiency, new language. Additionally, he's going to gain the rune carver ability. He can now use magic runes to enhance his gear. He's going to learn two runes of his choice. And every time he gains a level in this class, he can replace one rune he knows with a different one. I, I don't think we're going to do that because I don't want to go back and forth. So I'm just going to pick the two runes. But what this means is whenever he finishes a long rest, he can touch a number of objects equal to the number of runes he knows, and he inscribes a different rune onto each of the objects. To be eligible, an object must be a weapon, a suit of armor, a shield, a piece of jewelry, or something else you can wear or hold in a hand. Your rune remains on an object until he finishes a long rest, and an object can only bear one of his runes at a time. So I'm thinking, he's not technically wearing it, it's a part of him, but I totally think he should have sick runes carved onto his shell, or painted onto his shell with his painter supplies. And I think, I, I just think that's a really cool visual, Master Ugwe all tatted up on his shell with these magical runes. And I know it says an object can bear only one rune at a time. I think it's fine if we put both runes on his shell. I think that's cool as hell, let's freaking do it. So I'm going to give him, I'm gonna give him the stone rune. So when he has the stone rune inscribed, he's now gonna have advantage on insight checks and dark vision out to a range of 120 feet. That's so cool. He didn't have dark vision before. If it was dark, he was just like, well, better go to bed. But now he's like, haha, I can see you which is fun. And also advantage on insight check. So he's going to be really good at reading people because he already has proficiency in it. So he has a plus four to insight and he's going to make those with advantage. So I'm also going to do the frost rune. So while he's wearing something inscribed with this rune, like his shell, he is going to have advantage on animal handling checks and intimidation checks. So that's really cool. He already has proficiency at animal handling as well. He doesn't have proficiency with intimidation. He has a minus one to intimidation, but now he can make those with advantage. So hopefully he can roll better with that ability and actually be intimidating, which I think makes a lot of sense for the creator of Kung Fu and one of the most powerful beings in the Kung Fu Panda universe. Additionally, with these runes, they have another ability and he can invoke the runes. So with the stone rune, when a creature he can see ends its turn within 30 feet of him, he can use his reaction to invoke his stone rune and force the creature to make a wisdom saving throw. 
and unless the creature succeeds, they're going to be charmed by Master Ugwe for one minute. And while charmed in this way, the creature's going to have a speed of zero and will be incapacitated, descending into a dreamy stupor. The creature's going to repeat their saving throw at the end of each of their turns, ending the effect on a success. And once Master Ugwe invokes this rune, he can't do so again until he finishes a short or long rest. So it says they have to make a wisdom saving throw. The rune magic save DC, or what they have to equal or beat to resist the effect, is going to be 8 plus his proficiency bonus, plus his constitution modifier, which kind of sucks because his constitution modifier is plus zero. So that rune magic save DC is just going to be 10. That's going to be so easy to beat. But I think it's worth it because the runes give him a passive ability as well, like advantage on insight and animal handling checks and stuff like that. For the frost rune, when he invokes that, he can do it as a bonus action. And for 10 minutes, he's going to gain a plus two to all ability checks and saving throws that use strength or constitution. And again, once he invokes this rune, he can't do so again until he finishes a short or long rest. So that is a pretty cool ability, plus two bonus to ability checks that use it. That's just going to be a plus two to athletics, but that's cool. And strength and constitution saving throws, he's already proficient in them, so he's going to have a plus six to strength saving throws and a plus four to constitution saving throws. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I like that. The last ability he gets as a rune knight, because they get a billion abilities, I guess, he can now imbue himself with the might of giants. So as a bonus action, he can magically gain the following benefits, which last for one minute. If he's smaller than large, which he is, he becomes large, along with anything he's wearing. And if he lacks the room to become large, then his size doesn't change. But essentially, just as a bonus action, Master Ugwe can just grow a couple of feet for a minute. He's also going to have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. There's a lot of synergy with that frost rune because that's going to give him plus two to those strength saving throws. So if he uses that and then giant might, he's going to have plus six and advantage on strength saving throws. That's really cool. Also, once on each of his turns, one of his attacks with a weapon or an unarmed strike can just automatically deal an extra 1d6 damage to a target on hit. He can use the Giant Might's feature ability a number of times equal to his proficiency bonus, and he's going to regain all uses when he finishes a long rest. So that's cool. He can just imbue himself with magic to get massive and swole, and I love that. I'm now imagining just like a jacked Master Ugwe, just like an 8-pack, rippling biceps, like 10 feet tall. Oof. <laughs> Getting a little warm in my room right now. That's fine. Okay, uh, let's move on to fourth level in fighter. He's going to gain an ability score improvement. Finally. Oh, okay. So with this, we can increase one ability score of his choice by two or two ability scores of his choice by one. Or we can pick a feat, which is just like a special ability. But we've got to increase those ability scores. They are really bad. So I'm thinking... I'm thinking he's using strength for all of his attacking, so I'm going to bump that strength from a 14 to a 16, which is now a plus 3 modifier. Okay, hey, look at that. Before this, he had a plus 4 to his attack rolls using weapons or unarmed strikes. Now he has a plus 5, so that's nice. Let's go to 5th level in fighter. He's going to gain extra attack. So now he can attack twice instead of once whenever he takes the attack action on his turn. 
so he can just punch someone and then immediately punch them again. That's fun. Also, his proficiency bonus just went up to plus three. So now he's going to have a plus six to those attack rolls. Still not what you want it to be at fifth level, but that's okay. It's it's not terrible anymore. Like he, he can hit things now. It's definitely better than the plus four that we started with. So hey, that's nice. Now let's move to sixth level. I'm tempted to go sixth level in fighter because he's just gonna gain another ability score improvement. Okay, okay, yeah, let's go sixth level in fighter. I think this is gonna be the last level in fighter before we take the remaining 14 levels in monk. So this is just an ability score improvement. I say let's bump that strength up again to 18, which is now a plus four modifier. Beautiful, okay. Now he's especially jacked, just really strong pecs, you know? Uh, okay, uh, now for seventh level, we're going to multi-class. So we are going to become a sixth level rune knight fighter and a first level monk. So for monks, the prerequisite for multi-classing is having 13 dexterity and 13 wisdom. He has the wisdom prerequisite, but I think it's totally fine to multi-class into monk if you have 13 dexterity or strength because monks can use dexterity or strength so i don't know why they're like oh monks have to be dexterity based like no let let them be strength based it's fine so he's going to multi-class into monk he's not going to gain any multi-classing proficiencies there that he doesn't already have so he's just going to gain unarmored defense which doesn't matter because his armor class is already really high. So this is just while he's not wearing any armor or a shield, his armor class is going to be 10 plus his dexterity modifier plus his wisdom modifier. But that would just mean his armor class is 12. Fortunately, he has a shell which makes his armor class 17. So I think I'm definitely going to use that 17 armor class over that 12 so we can just essentially ignore that. And now move on to the next ability he gets called Martial Arts. So now he's going to gain the following benefits when he's unarmed or wielding only monk weapons, and he's not wielding armor or wielding a shield. And I remember in the movies he has a staff, so I think he could be wielding a quarter staff. But what he gets from Martial Arts is now he can use Dexterity instead of Strength for the attack and damage rolls of his unarmed strikes and monk weapons. Well, we're not going to do that because he has a plus four to Strength and a plus zero to Dexterity, so we're going to keep with that Strength. Also, his unarmed strikes, instead of just doing one plus Strength, they're going to do 1d4 plus Strength. But if you'll remember, he already had that ability from being a turtle. What's good about this is that that is going to increase based on his monk level. So it's starting out as a d4, but it's going to get higher. Also, when he uses the attack action with an unarmed strike or a monk weapon on his turn, like the quarterstaff, he can make one unarmed strike as a bonus action. So that's awesome. He can just attack with his quarterstaff twice because he has extra attack from being a fighter and then punch them with an unarmed strike or, or claw them, whatever, whatever he's got. So now he can have essentially three attacks in a turn. Love that for him. Let's do... 8th level, that is 2nd in Monk, he's going to gain Key. So this is great because Key, or Chi, is something he can utilize in the movies. So now he has this mystic energy of Key that he can, again, utilize. 
he's going to have a number of key points equal to his monk level. So he's a second level monk. He has two key points and he can spend them to fuel various key features. He's going to regain all of his key points when he finishes a short or long rest. And some of the key features will require the target to make a saving throw. So that save DC is going to be eight plus his proficiency bonus plus his wisdom modifier. His proficiency bonus is plus three. His wisdom modifier is two. So he's going to have a key save DC of 13. So right now his rune magic save DC is just 11, which is very bad. But his key save DC is 13, which is fine. It's not great, but it's not terrible. With his key right now, he can use flurry of blows. So when he takes the attack action on his turn, he can spend one key point to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action. So if he does that, he can essentially attack four times in one turn. He also has patient defense. So as a bonus action, he can just spend a key point to take the dodge action. That, that could definitely be cool. I feel like patient defense is something he probably uses. And also step of the wind. He can spend one key point to take the disengage or dash action as a bonus action on his turn. And his jump distance is gonna be doubled for the turn. So I feel like I could see him doing that too. Just like, oh, he's this slow tortoise. And then he just uses Step of the Wind and all of a sudden just rushes you. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Also, as a second level monk, he's going to gain unarmored movement. So his speed is going to increase by 10 feet while he's not wearing armor or wielding a shield. So turtles have a base speed of 30 feet. They aren't actually much slower than any of the other races. I'd say average is 30 feet and that's what they have. Well, right now he has 40 feet. So he's actually faster than most other people, even though that goes against what people generally think of when they think of turtles or tortoises, rather. He's not a turtle, he's a tortoise. Ninth level, that is third in monk, he's going to gain deflect missiles. So he can now use his reaction to deflect or catch a missile when he's hit by a ranged weapon attack. When he does so, the damage he takes from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus his dexterity modifier plus his monk level. Well, he doesn't have anything to dexterity, but he's a third level monk, so he could potentially reduce the damage by 13. And if he reduces the damage to zero, he can catch the missile if it's small enough for him to hold in one hand, and if he has at least one hand free, which he does. And if he does catch a missile in this way, he can spend one key point to make a ranged attack with the weapon or piece of ammunition he just caught as part of that same reaction. He's going to make this attack with proficiency regardless of his weapon proficiencies, and the missile counts as a monk weapon for the attack. So that's so cool. Someone can shoot an arrow at Master Ugwe and he can just snatch it out of the air and whip it back at them. That's pretty fun. Also, as a third level monk, he's going to gain his monastic tradition, which is the monk subclass. So I'm looking through these and I don't, I don't like a lot of them. Parts of them are applicable and other parts aren't. Whatever. I'm going to go with the way of mercy. Because I was going to go with the Way of Tranquility, but it looks awful. Like, just just looking at it, it has like, it, it's, I, I don't like it. So yeah, I'm going to go with Way of Mercy. So as a Way of Mercy monk, he's going to gain the ability Implements of Mercy, which is going to give him proficiency in insight and medicine skills. Well, he already has insight, but that medicine skill will happily be accepted. He's not proficient in like anything. But there you go. He's also going to have proficiency with the herbalism kit. 
So that's cool. He can make like salves and stuff and other herbaceous things like, I don't know, potions. Anyway, it also says that he gains a special mask, which he often wears when using the features of the subclass. But uh, he can he can just be I'm not going to force Master Ugwe to wear a mask. Anyway, he's going to gain Hands of Healing. So as an action, he can spend one key point to touch a creature and restore a number of hit points equal to a roll of his Martial Arts die plus his Wisdom. So right now his Martial Arts die is still a 1d4. So as an action, he can spend a key point to heal them 1d4 plus 2. But when he uses his Flurry of Blows ability, which is when he attacks, he can spend a key point to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action. He can replace one of the unarmed strikes with a use of Hands of Healing without spending an additional key point for Hands of Healing. So that could be cool. He could attack twice with his staff, punch once with an unarmed strike using Flurry of Blows, and then heal. Last thing he gains from the Way of Mercy subclass is Hands of harm. So when he hits a creature with an unarmed strike, he can spend a key point to deal extra necrotic damage equal to one roll of his martial arts die plus his wisdom modifier. And you can only use this once per turn. But he can use both of his flurry of blows attacks and then just deal an additional 1d4 plus 2 if he's willing to spend an additional key point. So that, that could be cool. I, I feel like this is the most fitting because he does, like Master Ugwe is very peaceful. He does seem very healing focused, but he's not opposed to harming others. He'd rather not, but he for sure still can, right? Yeah. Let's move on now to fourth level in Monk. This is 10th overall. He's going to gain an ability score improvement. Let's max out that strength because he's going to be attacking a lot. We want that attack modifier to be pretty high. So strength is going to go from 18 to a 20. Beautiful. His proficiency bonus just went up at ninth level to plus four. So now he's going to have a plus nine to his attack rolls. That's so good. If he attacks four times just with his quarterstaff twice and his unarmed strike twice with flurry of blows, he can deal 2d8 plus 10 plus 2d4 plus 10, which is an average of what, 34 damage? That's insane. That's so cool. Master Ugwe, F him up. I love it. Okay. Also at fourth level, he gains slow fall, which is a very cool ability. If he's falling, he can just use his reaction to reduce any falling damage he takes by an amount equal to five times his monk level. So now he can just use a reaction to reduce his damage by 20 if he falls. That's awesome. There's a good chance he'll just take no damage from that. Every 10 feet of damage you fall is 1d6. So you would have to fall like 60 feet to, uh, on average, take like one point of damage there. Anyway... Fifth level as a monk, he gains extra attack. Unfortunately, he already has extra attack, so that's not going to stack with it. He can't attack three times now whenever he takes the attack action, just the once. But also at fifth level, he's going to gain Stunning Strike, which is just the best monk ability. We all know it. Let's just say it. It is. I'm sure it's been said before. So I'll reiterate it. He can now interfere with the flow of key in an opponent's body. When he hits another creature with a melee weapon attack, he can spend one key point to attempt a stunning strike. 
The target has to succeed on a constitution saving throw or be stunned until the end of Master Ugwe's next turn. That's insane! He can potentially attack them four times and try to stun them each time. And then he can just action surge and attack another two times. So he can try six times. Well, I mean, he can't because he's only a fifth level monk. So he only has five key points and have to use one every time you try. Anyway, so the save DC for their constitution saving throw is going to be eight plus his proficiency bonus plus his wisdom. So that is now a DC 14 constitution saving throw. So it's not great, but if he's using it multiple times, they're going to fail eventually and just be stunned and not be able to do anything. Then Master Ugwe's turn's going to come around again, and he can just try to stun them again. A one-on-one -on -one fight with monks is really rough because they can just keep stunning you until you die. But anyway, 12th level, 6th and monk, he's now going to gain key empowered strikes. So his unarmed strikes count as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. That's pretty cool. But he's also going to gain a monastic tradition feature from the Way of Mercy, and that is called Physician's Touch. So when he uses his hands of healing on a creature, he can also end one disease or one of the following conditions affecting the creature. Blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, or stunned. That's so cool. So his ally was hit. Maybe his ally was stunned. He can not only heal them with hands of healing, which now is going to be 1d6 plus 2 because his martial arts die went up when he became a fifth level monk. So 1d6 plus 2 and he can just cure them from being stunned. Also, when he used the hands of harm on a creature, he can subject that creature to the poisoned condition until the end of his next turn. So he can use Hands of Healing in order to heal an ally and cure a condition effect. And he can use Hands of Harm on a creature and just poison them. And they don't make a saving throw or anything, they just become poisoned, which is really awesome. 13th level, a 7th level monk, he gains Evasion, which is such a cool ability. So when he's subjected to an effect that allows him to make a dexterity saving throw or take only half damage, he's instead going to take no damage if he succeeds on the saving throw, and only half damage if he fails. He has a plus zero to his dexterity saving throws, so let's face it, he's probably going to fail more than he succeeds. But now even if he does fail, he's still just going to take half damage, and on the off chance he succeeds, he's going to take no damage. A target can shoot a fireball at him, and there's a chance that he can take no damage from it. And I kind of love the visual as someone like trying to blast him with a lightning bolt, and Master Ugwe just really quickly hides in his shell and avoids all the damage. That's fun for me to imagine. He's also going to gain Stillness of Mind, so he can now use his action to end one effect on himself that's causing him to be charmed or frightened. That's awesome because being charmed really sucks, being frightened also sucks, and he can just use an action to end that effect on him. 14th level, Eighth and Monk, that's another ability score improvement. I say let's... Ooh, okay, what should we do? We can... We can... Increase his wisdom, or if we increase his constitution, his hit points will go up. Yeah, I think I might do that. I think I might bump his constitution from a 10 to a 12, which is now a plus one modifier. What's great is hit points are added retroactively. So he's a 14th level character and his constitution just went up. So he's automatically going to gain an additional 14 hit points. So hopefully now he'll have a bit more survivability. 
And remember, his rune magic spell save DC uses constitution. At 14th level, his proficiency bonus is plus five. So now it is eight plus one plus five. So a spell save DC of 14 for his stone rune ability to charm someone. You remember? Do you remember that? That eh, doesn't matter. Anyway, moving on, 15th level, that is 9th in Monk. He is going to gain the ability Unarmored Movement Improvement. So you remember Unarmored Movement increases speed by 10. Well, it's more now because it increases as you level up. So right now it's increased it by 15. So his movement speed is 45. But now what's really cool is he can just move along vertical surfaces and across liquids on his turn without falling during the move. So he can't end his turn on a vertical surface or he will fall. It's probably fine because he can just use slow fall. So he can essentially run up a wall, attack someone who's like on a ledge or something, and then just let himself fall, use his reaction to just take no damage. That's really cool. And he can also just run across water. Again, he can't end his turn on the water or else he'll sink, but that's actually fine because he can breathe underwater for an hour, or he can hold his breath rather for an hour, I think is the mechanics of the game. But yeah, that's really cool. 16th level, 10th and Monk, he gains purity of body, so he is now immune to disease and poison. Love it. 17th level, 11th and Monk, that is another monastic tradition feature from the Way of Mercy, and that is called Flurry of Healing and Harm. So now when he uses Flurry of Blows to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action, he can now replace each of the unarmed strikes with a use of his hands of healing without spending key points for the healing. So before, if he used Flurry of Blows, he can only replace one of them with his hands of healing. Now he can do both. As an 11th level monk, his martial arts die is now a d8. So he can heal 2d8 plus 4 on his turn as a bonus action. That's really awesome, and it only costs one key point. He's got, what, 11 of those now? That's awesome. Also, when he makes an unarmed strike with Flurry of Blows, he can use Hand of Harm. He can still only use Hands of Harm once per turn, but before, he could only use it if he hit with an unarmed strike, and he still had to spend the key points. Now, he doesn't have to. He can use Flurry of Blows, he can use Hands of Mercy once, and then use Hands of Harm as well, which is just automatically going to be an additional 1d8 plus 2 necrotic damage. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. I love that. Okay, okay. Uh, 18th level, that is going to be 12th in Monk. That is going to be an ability score improvement. The final ability score improvement he gets. Uh, I think I want to try for a feat. So I could increase his wisdom, which would help his stunning strike spell save DC, or his dexterity, which will help his initiative, or his constitution, which will affect his hit points. I could do a lot because those are all still really low, but I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to give him a feat because that's more fun, and I love feats. I've said it before, I am a feats slut, which I know sounds a lot like feat slut, but make no mistake... It is Feats, D&D Features Slut. Anyway, what should we give him? I'm thinking mobile because I love monks that have mobile. It increases their movement speed by 10 and gives them an additional things. So he can move so fast if he wants to. I think observant could be fitting for him because it would help him just notice things. And I feel like he is very perceptive. Um, How about... 
ooh, what's what's an ability that would kind of drive the point home that he is like this sage? He started with a fighter, he became, you know, kind of powerful fighter and then transitioned to monk and he's becoming a really powerful monk as well. He's just really good at fighting. But what is a feat that kind of shows that he is also a sage, that he's also very wise? I'm going to choose empathic. So it doesn't it doesn't quite do what I wanted it to, but I think he is really insightful and he already has advantage on insight checks. So what this is going to do is it's going to increase his wisdom score by one. So that 14 becomes a 15. Unfortunately, this doesn't change that plus two modifier at all. It's still a plus two. But now he's going to gain proficiency in insight skill. Well, I know what you're thinking, but he already has proficiency in insight. Yeah, I know. And if he does already have proficiency, he's going to gain expertise in it, which means his proficiency bonus is doubled for it. So he's an 18th level character. His proficiency bonus is plus six. He has plus two to wisdom. So now has a plus 14 to his insight. So cool. And he can now use his action to try to get uncanny insight about one humanoid he can see within 30 feet of him. He's going to make an insight check contested by the target's deception. And if Master Ugwe succeeds, He's going to have advantage on attack rolls and ability checks against the target until the end of his next turn. So he could use empathic. Unfortunately, it uses his action, but then he can just action surge, attack twice from his attack action, use flurry of blows to attack two more times, all with advantage. And because it works until the end of his next turn, his next turn, he can just attack another four times with advantage. That means he can get eight attacks with advantage and I love it for him. That's so cool. Advantage is just when you roll the d20 twice and take the highest number. Perfect. That's great. He already has a plus 11 to his attack modifier, so chances are he's gonna hit. Adding advantage on top of that, he's pretty much a shoo-in. Perfect. Okay. 19th level, that is Tongue of the Sun and Moon, because we're 13th level in Monk now. He can now touch the key of other minds and understand all spoken languages. Moreover, any creature that can understand a language can understand what Master Ugwe says. Master Ugwe is like, huh, peace can overcome paltry obstacles like a language barrier, right? So if someone can just speak any languages, they can understand what Master Ugwe is saying, and he will be able to understand what they are saying as well. 20th level, 14th and Monk, the final level, he gains Diamond Soul. So he now has proficiency in all saving throws. That is so awesome because his stats are still pretty terrible. His strength is good. Everything else is fairly bad. So getting a plus six to those saving throws is really going to help him. He had plus zero dexterity. Now he has plus six to dexterity saving throws. And with evasion, if he succeeds on dexterity saving throw, he's going to take no damage. That's really going to help his survivability, which is kind of worrisome because he only has plus one constitution, you know? But additionally, whenever he makes a saving throw and he fails, he can just spend a key point to re-roll it and take the second result. So say he rolls a wisdom saving throw and he gets a nat one, he can just spend a key point and re-roll it. He'll have a plus eight to this saving throw, so hopefully he'll succeed, but that's such a cool ability. Okay, boom, we did it. That's Master Ugwe. 
So Master Ugwe, the creator of Kung Fu. For background, he is folk hero. For race, he is a tortle, which makes sense because he's a whole ass tortoise. He's a level six rune knight fighter and a level 14 way of mercy monk. His ending stats are obviously better than what we started with because that was terrible, but he has 20 strength, 10 dexterity, 12 constitution, 8 intelligence, 15 wisdom, and 9 charisma. Still not great if you look at it as a whole, but he'll mostly be using that strength and wisdom, so it's good that we increased strength anyway. For skills, he has plus 8 to animal handling, plus 14 to insight, plus 8 to medicine, plus 8 to perception, and plus 8 to survival. Saving throws, he has proficiency in all of them, so he gets a plus 6 to all of them. So he has plus 11 to strength saving throws, plus 6 to dexterity, plus 7 to constitution, plus 5 to intelligence, plus 8 to wisdom, and plus 5 to charisma. Languages, he speaks common, aquan, and giant, though that doesn't really matter because he has tongue of the sun and moon, so he can understand any language, and as long as a creature speaks a language, he'll be able to talk to them as well. Tool proficiencies, land vehicles, which is still hilarious, painter supplies, and smith's tools, and feats, we were able to give him one at the very end, empathic to double his proficiency bonus and insight and potentially allow him to gain advantage on some of his attack rolls. So 14th level monk, his unarmored movement increased his movement by 25 feet. So he has a base speed of 55 feet. He's almost twice as fast as the regular person, which is really cool. Also his martial arts die is a D8. So this is my idea of Master Ugwe. Master Ugwe has heard of a terrible evil that threatens the world or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. So like just another Tuesday, whatever. He sets out on his journey and he gets attacked. He gets ambushed. I'm picturing he's going through a path like in between two cliffs, essentially. And people like jump down from the cliffs and surround him. And Master Ugwe is like, Okay, I will give you a chance to not do this because I will wreck your shit. And they're all like, you're outnumbered. And he's like, okay, well, you're outmatched, you know? So what do you want from me? Anyway, they attack him. Master Ugwe is just like, mm, how about no? With his 17 armor class that he has just from having a shell. Someone comes close to him. He invokes his stone room to charm the creature. Then on his turn, he can use giant might as a bonus action to just get absolutely jacked and sexy or whatever adjective you want to use. Use giant's might as a bonus action. Use his action for the empathic ability to gain advantage on attack rolls and then action surge and attack twice with advantage. And if he hits, it's going to be 2d8 plus 10, and he can use his hand of harm to automatically do an additional 1d8 plus 2 necrotic damage. And because of giant's might, he just deals an additional 1d6 damage. So even on that turn where he essentially prepared himself for combat, he can still do 2d8 plus 10 plus 1d8 plus 2 plus 1d6. So... On that first turn, that's an average of 
28 damage, I think it is. And then on his next turn, he'll still have advantage, so he can attack twice, he can flurry of blows to attack another two times, and he can use Hand of Harm again. Or if he's been injured, he can use Hands of Healing to heal himself. So if he does use Hands of Harm, he can attack twice with his staff with advantage, he can attack twice with Flurry of Blows with advantage, and he can use Flurry of Healing and Harm. So that's essentially 5d8 plus 22 plus 1d6. So that's uh, 47 damage on average, I think. Don't quote me on that. Maybe do. I don't care. But he can just mess people up, and if they do damage him, he can second wind to regain 1d10 plus 6 hit points. He can use hands of healing to regain 1d8 plus 2 hit points. And if he uses flurry of blows, he can replace both of the unarmed strikes with hands of healing to regain 2d8 plus 4 hit points. And that's if they can hit him, because if they're trying to use some, like, magic and he has to make saving throws, he's proficient in all saving throws. So Master Uguay can just mess them up, or he can just use, like, Step of the Wind to bonus action dash, and use his action to dash, and move 165 feet. So say they do jump down off of that cliff to attack him, he can just ignore them and run up the cliff, just completely avoiding combat altogether, and then just leave. What are they going to do? Climb the cliff? He's so fast, there's no way they can chase after him. So Master Uguay can stand and just mess them all up before carrying on his merry way, or just decide that he just doesn't need the hassle and just move away from them at lightning speeds. That's so cool. Ugh, stupid sexy Uguay, yes. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fantasize Me. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasizeMePod. I'm getting close to a thousand followers there. I've been hovering around 960 for like what's felt like forever, honestly, because I keep gaining followers and then very quickly losing other followers. So follow me on there if you would like. You can also email in character suggestions. Please send me those emails at fantasizemepod at gmail.com. Over on my Kofi, Kofi.com slash fantasizeme. It was my birthday on Wednesday, so I kind of rushed my newest supplement called Tomes of Peredian in order to get it out on my birthday because I thought it'd be fun. But that is out now on Kofi.com slash me. the Tome of Peredian containing 20 magic items. It is, I actually don't know what the price of it is going to be. I'm thinking just a dollar because I didn't work especially hard on it because I already had a lot of the stuff written up because they're magical items that I've used in my D&D campaign. Anyway, so you can get that for a dollar. You can get the mundane backgrounds, which is 10 backgrounds for a dollar. And I'm thinking of lowering the price of the Elemental Codex to maybe like $3. I don't want it too low because I did work really hard on it. And I want that to be represented somehow. I don't know. I'm still I'm still learning. I'm still working out fair pricings of things. But check that out if you would like. Be sure to rate five stars and give reviews and follow and subscribe and download and do all the things. I really should get better at like the ending plugs because I always kind of fumble them. But if you're still listening to this podcast, thank you so much for listening. And we will do this again next week. 
Bye.